It's the United States Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and in today's world, it's all about the small businesses, right? And if anyone knows about our local businesses, it's Bank of America. It's reassuring to know that you don't have to know everything, because with a network like theirs, there's always someone who can help. Now the big question is, what would you like the power to do? Check out your local Bank of America or bankofamerica.com to find out more. From the USHCC, this is In Her Footsteps, where we bring you conversations with dynamic Latina business owners who are helping drive the American economy and creating change in their local communities. In Her Footsteps is generously supported by Bank of America. Hello to everybody. My name is Jennifer Rodriguez. I am president and CEO of the Greater Philadelphia Hispanic Chamber and your guest host of In Her Footsteps, a podcast of the U.S. Hispanic Chamber of Commerce that hosts dynamic Latina business owners who are helping drive the American economy and creating change in their local communities. I am very pleased to introduce to you Brandis Ortega, the president and CEO of Del Rio Enterprises. Brandis, welcome to In Her Footsteps. Thank you. And so tell me a little bit about Del Rio Enterprises. Uh, So Del Rio Enterprises is um, a company that was founded by my dad in 1984. Uh, We are general and electrical contractors, and we focus primarily on the federal market. And so that sounds to me like a big deal not because it's a construction company, but because it's a female, a Latina, a Hispanic female, heading a large construction company. Tell me, how did you become involved in the family business? Well, it started really probably back in high school. Um, I started working with the family business after school. I would come in and answer phones, um, do that sort of thing. I think, I really think my dad was just trying to keep me out of trouble, you know, make me come there after school instead <laughs> of hanging out in the parking lot. Uh, so I would, I started that way, uh, and then I, I started college, and I became um, an administrative assistant. I would file paperwork, do that kind of thing, and then I just, I worked up through all the, the ranks within the company. Um, I, I got some education. I went to UNM, and I got my business degree and then um, I also got a master's in construction management so that gave me a really good like foundation for the the business. So you started in the administrative side right yes. but um, that is that is not all there is to the construction industry. So tell me I worked with a lot of construction companies and I understand that really the margins can be very thin that is a very risky business. How do you how do you manage risk and, and margins? How do you stay successful? Well, I think, I mean, it is it is very thin margins. Definitely construction, but I think just the experience that we have. I mean, we've been in business a really long time. We pull on the experience of you know my father and those that have been in it for a very long time. Um, we have estimating software that we use that we just we kind of have things like a basis for what we're going to put in on a bid for things like general conditions and stuff like that. But then we kind of work with that. If we really want the job, we'll, we'll work with that a little bit and lower it. Um, also, just making up after we, we win a project, making things up, you know, looking for where we have opportunities to, uh, if we have something in our shop and in inventory, just just seeing how we can save on the project, not necessarily use all that labor or material that we put in the bid. 
And so right now you employ about 20 individuals. Yes. That is a big responsibility in, in a community. Where, where are you located? We are right here in Albuquerque. We're, we're in the Journal Center area. Yes, and so in terms of um, leading a team of mostly male employees, I would suppose, correct? Yes, it's all males. So tell me a little bit about the dynamics. I mean, so you, I, you started the business. You were the daughter of the owner, and with that comes certain assumptions about your capacity, I suppose. Oh, yes. So do you have, tell us the, tell us the juicy stories today. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think definitely. When I first started working in the business, I think, you know, I think everybody was just kind of like, well, you know, she just, she just needs a place to go. She doesn't know anything about construction. Um, but that, that changed over time. I mean, at first I definitely didn't know anything about construction, but I spend or I spent every day alongside next to my dad just learning learning everything I never actually worked in the field but I got so much experience from my dad in you know estimating project management managing people managing business it's it's just been you know I, I don't really struggle with that as much anymore and so do you find that you you have a business degree you have a construction management degree do you find that that is uh, how does how does the education in the classroom differ or how did it help or not necessarily help in your everyday because construction typically you hear about apprenticeship like you you learn by doing on the job mm -hmm. uh, but you also went to school you took a little bit different route so I think that you know that's funny that's a conversation that I've had a lot with my dad you know um, he encouraged me to go to school and get the education uh, because he didn't and he found that it was a lot harder for him. But I tell him all the time that the education that I received there, actually doing the work, putting the bids together, um, you know, going out on the job sites, that's, that's where I really learned about this business, about this industry. So I, I won't discount my education. I think it was great. It was a great basis and a great um, foundation. Like I learned, I definitely learned more about the business side about accounting, about finance from school than necessarily my dad. But um, in, in terms of construction, that all came from experience. <laughs> so have you been in the field? I have not actually, you know, turned wrenches or anything. Um, I haven't pulled any wire, but I do visit job sites pretty regularly. Um, I go to meetings, that kind of thing, but I've never actually worked in the field other than small projects with my dad at home. So this business, uh, construction industry, uh, it tends to, we see a lot of day work, we see a lot of companies that have one or two people and they, uh, the growing for them is, is a pretty difficult process. Can you tell us a little bit about how how this company, what decisions have you made that have, or, or the company has made uh, your ha you, with your father that have um, helped you scale up? Well, I would think, I would say when we first started out, it was just, you know, my dad and two other people working in the field. Um, and it's, it's hard, I think, to find people that have the same commitment to work and quality that, that you do as a business owner. So we, we've been very fortunate, though. We have people that have been with the company, you know, several, 10, 15 some approaching 20 years so we don't have a high turnover um, and I think just the culture of our company has made it easier to to 
stick around. Um, in addition, we do the apprenticeship program. You mentioned a little bit about the apprenticeship earlier. So that's a really good way to, to get really um, good, well-educated people. You know, they go through a four-year four-year process. It's kind of similar to a college degree. Um, so they, they're getting educated, and then we do so much safety training and that kind of thing. So I think that's how we've really grown, maintained our workforce. Um, we're not, we don't actively recruit a lot of electricians. Oh, um, really? No, we don't, because we, we have so many people that have just stayed with the company for so long. We have a lot of people that are looking to come to work with us. So that's a great problem to have. Well, we hear a lot, particularly in industries where uh, they're labor intensive, that turnover and keeping uh, keeping employees can be a real challenge. And you've mentioned that you have a your turnover rate um, is very low, and you attribute that to the culture of your company. So, what is really the secret sauce in the culture of the company? Because um, if you care to disclose, <laughs> no, sure. I mean, I feel like. I feel like at Del Rio we're a family. Um, we know we know all of our employees. We know their wives. We know their children. We've watched them grow, and we spend a lot of time, or we try to spend a lot of time doing things as a as a group together. Like you know, just to just to team build, just to keep that relationship. But we we try to maintain a really good. good Do you think that is particular? We hear a lot about family. Uh, treating and, and, and considering employees part of the family uh, when women are leaders in, of companies. Do you think it's particularly a characteristic of women leaders, or do you think um, not necessarily? I, it, what, um, is your, what is your take on that? In our case, I would say not necessarily. That started with my dad. He's, he's a family man, for sure. That's, that's his favorite, is spending time with his family. So he, that's just that's how he is, and he cares a lot about his employees so he cares about you know their putting welfare. food on their table yeah. and all of that so that started with him I just I just take after my dad in a lot of ways so I continued that <laughs> so you spend a lot of time with your father I do he's still involved in the company I suppose he is and how many hours I mean is it like seven days a week six days a week it can be. <laughs> and so what about those family dynamics, right? Are there any hard rules in which you say, um, well, is the Christmas dinner and we're not going to talk business? Or do you keep things a little bit more fluid than that? I think in general, the big things, you know, like kids' birthday parties, holidays, we don't talk about work. Um, in general, when we're at home, we don't talk about it a lot unless there's something big that we need to talk about. We try to keep it separate. We really do because we don't want that to just, we don't want that to be our whole life. I, I have little kids and I want them to have something other that we are talking about at the dinner table than work. And so with small children, uh, those are labor intensive uh, <laughs> tasks. How do you find your balance between the work and, the, and being a mother? Well, <laughs> Or is there a balance? It's I mean, a some people every say day. there's not, right? Uh, it, it is. It's a struggle every day for sure. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate since I am, you know, the owner. I, I have more flexibility. So if I need to skip out to go to a parent-teacher conference or something like that, I can. Um, my girls spend a lot of time at the office, just like I did when I was growing up. Um, so they're they're already they're already in that, you know. And my my older daughter, she. She loves spending time there at the office. She loves 
being out in the shop and seeing all the materials. So it's, I try to balance it that way, keeping them around, but also keeping it separate. Do you, do you foresee that either of them have the natural inclination that you did or? I hope so. Uh, that would be a fantastic story, right? Yeah. A third generation really uh, Del Rio company. Um, the uh, Del Rio family-owned company. Um, so, so tell us, one of the things that we're really interested in is, um, again, seeing how, um, you know, only about 2 to 3% of Latino-owned businesses reach a million dollars or more in sales, and you clearly have far surpassed that threshold. Um, you know, in terms of scaling a business, we talk sometimes about organic growth, which is growing from within and adding staff one at a time and building one branch one at a time, but there's also growth by acquisition. And so I hear that recently um, Del Rio Enterprises, you and your father, um, joined forces once again to purchase a new company. And so that's what we call growth by acquisition in some ways. Can you tell us a little bit about that decision? Sure, uh, yes, so we, we decided about a year ago to purchase um, another construction company. It's a lightning protection company. So uh, it, it was a well-established company, actually a friend of the family, uh, he grew that business from the ground up. And we we just thought it was a great opportunity. It's not, it's it correlates with electrical, but it's it's also completely separate. So, you know, it was just, it was another challenge that we thought we would take on. And because construction is not a challenge enough for the Mio <laughs> family, apparently. <laughs> right. And so you went at it with your father again. And so uh, was that, did you, did you even question that, that whether that would be a good decision or not? No, or no definitely Have not. you ever thought about branching out on your own? Um, well, that's the ultimate goal. He's, he's ready to retire, so I, I mean, he's, he's done his time, so that's the goal. He's gonna be out completely, you know, shortly. So in, in the future, who knows what, what I'll do. And, and maybe and maybe the daughters or, or they yes. might come in might come in uh, as handy help. In <laughs> the future. Well, you know, a family-owned business. Um, some of the challenges, and we, uh, particularly in the city of Philadelphia where I work, uh, is that that succession planning. Right, mm -hmm. this it, we lose a lot of minority-owned and Latino-owned businesses because they are not successful in transitioning the business to the next generation. So it's really um, wonderful to see that that it has been successful, and maybe it will be successful a second time around yes. um, so you know you're in the construction industry and we just went through well not just about 10 years ago went through a really tough recession mm -hmm. um, that particularly hit the con that hit the construction industry particularly hard um, do you recall um, do you what can you tell us about how uh, how did you recover? How did your company, uh, at that point your father was still the president, correct? But yes. you were involved in, in the, the company. company. Yes. So can you tell us about that experience and how did you weather through it? Sure, I, you know, I think construction in general is, it's like that. There's, there's high periods, there's low periods, and we've seen quite a few um, just since I've been in the company. I know that my dad has weathered many more than I have. But um, I think it all comes down to definitely, you know, just keeping the quality up while even when times are tough. But I, I can recall a couple of times, even in the most recent um, 
you know, recession, where my dad and I had to make some really tough decisions um, financially. You know, it's you want to pay your employees, and so we would go without pay. You know, something something like that. So. You know, as a business owner, those are decisions that you have to make. Your family is going to, you know, have to go through a little bit of a difficult time, but your employees are going to be taken care of. And, and there's there's been some times that we've had to do that. And so that really reinforces the culture of family, right? When you're when you're when the leader of a company is willing to take a hit um, in order to protect the employees, and I think that's a, a real. Uh, particularly in the work that I do as president of a chamber of commerce, of a Hispanic chamber of commerce, um, often talk about uh, to economic development, you know, officials in our cities, and tell them and and really advocate for for the support of um, uh, entrepreneurs, local entrepreneurs, because these are the companies that will keep the employees fed and clothed and employed even in the toughest of economic times mm -hmm. where larger corporations that are responsible to shareholders might not think twice or think you know may may be more inclined to lay off employees right so so really think about the root and how how deeply committed um, enterprises like yours is to the community and and the value and Frankly, the majority of new business of new jobs around the country are created by companies like you, companies that have two hundred and fifty thousand uh, employees or fewer. So, can you tell us about the relationship and and how important is the um, sort of the em business environment in which you operate here in New Mexico? Um. Do you find it to be a friendly environment, and, and, and do you find that, that having that support from, from government is important, or, or can you, through entrepreneurship and your own will, sort of surpass everything? No, I think we're fortunate because we are we're one of the electrical partners. When we've been pre-qualified um, to work at Sandia National Labs. We're one of three electrical partners, so we, we work primarily at the labs. And which is nice uh, because it's kind of like a niche. You know, we have we have that customer that we can always really depend on because they're typically spending money. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's slow seasons, of course, but um, so that that's been really helpful. In general, we don't do a lot in the public market, so I don't have a ton of experience. So you work mostly with federal contracts, yes. and so we know how difficult it can be. Uh, to obtain federal contracts, and so what would you say, or what would you recommend that a, uh, a Latino business, Hispanic-owned business that is looking to enter in the contract world with the federal government do? Well, it, it is. It can be a very, very difficult process, and it is a lot of um, a lot of experience. It's based on a lot of experience. In our industry, it's based on safety records, things like that. So that kind of thing is important to maintain um, quality because they're going to reach out to all of your customers, um, you know, pre previous customers. They're going to ask them how you perform, what kind of quality, if you were satisfied. Um, so just making sure you're maintaining that quality, making sure that you are um, keeping a safe environment, keeping your employees safe, keeping others safe. And so having a quality workforce really ultimately is, you know, provides that quality to the customer, right? Yes. In this case, the federal government. You, um, we talked a little bit 
uh, before that uh, Del Rio Enterprises as an apprenticeship program. Why did you start an apprenticeship program? Well, I think we we needed that foundation for our for our employees. Um, you know, a lot of our older, you know, like my dad, he he never did an apprenticeship, and some of our you know, people that have been with the business a lot longer, they never did an apprenticeship. And they had to learn it all through, you know, like hard knocks, my dad always Trial says. Error, right? <laughs> yeah, so I think having that education, you know, we talked a little bit about education and how it's it definitely helps, but you learn so much so much of it out in the field too. So I think just having that foundation, you know, having the, the structure and having support so that if you have questions, actually one of our uh, one of our estimators, he is now the the instructor for the electrical apprenticeship program at Associated Builders and Contractors um, ABC. That's where we do our apprenticeship through. So I mean, our employees have it really good because they have extra support. You know, they have they have all the support of an apprenticeship program, but then they have the extra support because their teacher actually is their boss. Oh, too. that's fantastic! <laughs> yeah. And so, in and so, do you hire all the apprentices from the program, or do they have uh, options to go to other um, to other jobs? So the way it typically works, um, we have hired. You know, so ABC will have people enter the apprenticeship. They will have people join um, who are just looking for a job in the electrical industry, and we will on occasion hire one. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, we hire an employee who we think would be a good potential candidate, and then we put them we put them into the apprenticeship with the hope and intention that they're going to stay. They will stay. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know, in many ways, think about the additional contributions you're making um, to the community. Right? You could just not care. Uh, and just hire, right? But you care for the quality, not only of your own workforce, but that also has um, additional benefits for the community as a whole, right? And so I think, again, one of those one of those instances in which a family-owned business in the community that is really rooted, grounded, and cares is investing in the community above and beyond what would be required, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, so we'd like to learn from um, our female guests about stories of either personal triumph, um, you know, moments in your career or in your personal life that you were at a juncture um, and took you to the next level. Do you have a moment in which in your company you were going through a tough time and had to make a really tough decision? Um, or did you have a failure you had to recover from to 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 be where you are today? Failures. <laughs> so I think I would probably say when I decided to th- that I was going to go the route taking over the business, really learning like the operations side of the business, I decided that I needed to start learning to estimate project management, that sort of thing. Um, and that is probably that has been where my biggest failures have come in because estimating is a challenge and there have been some times where you know I can I can remember one time in particular I I bid a job um, it was my first first big job that I bid on my own and I left How out much? Um, I, it was probably like a quarter of a million but it was big for me sure. um, and so I, I had left out we, we won the project we were awarded the contract but I had left out uh, several pretty big pieces of material and so we had to we had to recover that you know so anytime that 
that it's coming off the bottom line. That hurts, you know, and it was, it was my fault, and I had to figure out how to make it up. So um, learning to estimate, that's where I think a did lot it come of out of your salary? <laughs> did, did your father Probably say, Probably in know the what? end, but. It's coming out of your salary. <laughs> no, no, but we, we made it work. And um, so that, that kind of thing, I, I think, is definitely where my biggest failures have come in. Learning to estimate, learning to project manage, because that's where you have the real potential to make an impact on the business. So we often say um, that in order for a business to be successful, you need not only a prof profitable business model, right? So, But you also need the operations, the ability to scale, the ability to replicate, um, and really the control of operations being very important, uh, with uh, construction being such a complicated process. What have you, what decisions have you made internally to ensure that the operations are running smoothly? Um, oftentimes people will hire, they say hire your weakness, right? Or mm -hmm. learn and overcome your weaknesses. Have you made decisions of that type? So I think um, we, we have an operations manager and he is amazing. He, we, don't, we don't know what we would do without him. Um, so he, he really handles that side of the business, you know, I mean not that side, but he, he takes care of things like outages, you know, a lot of paperwork, a lot of coordinating the men in the field, um, a lot of coordinating with subcontractors. He does that because that is his strength for sure, like you were saying. He's, you know, where we're not necessarily as strong there, he's, he's very good coordinating that sort of thing. So um, we have people in place that, that do that, and that helps a lot. And so, uh, so that's really, I think, one of the, the, the key elements that we, we like to talk to entrepreneurs about is really how do you organize your operations um, so, that, so that they can run and you don't have to be in the middle of every decision all the time, otherwise you go sick and, and the business falls apart, right? Yeah. Um, so one thing I'm curious, because I think we, don't, we have not talked uh, about this, is so, you know, business development and going out and getting business and networking is a big part of what every business owner has to do. Um, and you're a woman owner of a construction company. I cannot believe there's more than a handful of those in New Mexico. So tell me about when you go with your father, perhaps with a, a, a male colleague, or and they make assumptions about who the owner or who the president is. It's probably they probably don't point at you initially, no, right? I see it all the time. It happens to me all the time. Um, it's it's better now that you know I'm getting a little older. When I when I was I've always looked young, so I would walk into something and people just kind of looked at me like I was crazy, or like who's this kid and what's she talking about? you know, business ownership and construction. Um, so definitely, I think in even now, people that don't know my father and I, that don't know the roles, they still will talk, if we're together, they will talk to, to him, him for sure. Um, it's, you know, a lot of times he'll be like, she's, she's the owner, she's gonna make that decision, you're gonna need to talk with her or something along those lines. But of course, every, everybody will always talk to, to my male counterpart. And so do you have, do you find that there's a, a growing number of Latina-owned businesses in the construction industry? Or do you think that we have, I mean, how are we doing there? I think I think it's what I want to ask you. I don't know of a whole lot of them. I know I can think of a few, um, but 
not uh, women in general in this industry that is de that number is definitely growing I see uh, you know uh, when I when I graduated with my masters in 2013 I was the only female that graduated in construction management how many males in that class uh, I don't even you know, I mean I was it like a in the master's program, there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot. There was probably around fifty of us. But in the and you whole, were the only female. I was the only female, um, you know. And then in the undergrad program, there was another you know hundred or so. So it, it was it was all males. But today, I see I see a lot more women going through that. that well, same that is exciting that because uh, we have women superheroes now. I think I think we can afford a few women. Uh, carpenters I think and so. electricians, right? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so you mentioned that uh, there are few female leaders in the construction industry, and I wonder if you get together with them, if you find that you need a group like that in order to build your strength. Uh, how do you how do you get strength huh, uh, from from community, if you will? Okay. So I there's a couple of things that that our community has. Uh, we have a women in construction group um, that, I've, that I've joined, I've become part of, so it's kind of just like a networking thing. Um, I, I've been involved in that a little bit. And then um, working with the female construction managers, that has been really beneficial. Uh, I think we have a, a level of respect for each other uh, because we both know how much of a struggle it is to be in this industry. And I'm sure the war stories <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a daily, weekly basis are, oh, yeah. are something to, <laughs> to really listen to, right? Um, so where do you see the company Del Rio Enterprises going in the next few years? Well, I hope that we continue to grow as we have. I hope that we continue to be able to... Um, earn the contracts that we have, you know, the, the pre-qualifications for contracts like we have now. Uh, and I hope that we continue, you know, to maintain our workforce. Uh, we, we're blessed because we have actually second generation coming in now. We have a lot, of, a lot of the employees within our company, their sons are now coming to work with us. So I hope just to keep that, that next generation flowing. As I take over, we have the sons coming in. We're oh, all going to take true, it off together. A true family enterprise. So I, I watch some shows uh, um, about construction and design and a, overseas. And I have noted that technology and new materials are really uh, doing, I mean, it's really making an impact in, in the construction industry. Um, and I don't see necessarily that much in the United States, at least not evident to me. How is technology impacting, or how do you foresee technology impacting the industry and, and your work? Well, I think in general, you know, the, the program, the software programs that we use, things like estimating, um, and accounting software, those have made major advances since I started in the industry. You know, when, when we started out, we used to estimate on Excel spreadsheets. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but now we have, we have the capability to make, we call it an assembly, and we, we will just kind of put all the things together that go into, you know, running a piece of conduit or something like that, and, and we can just select that thing, and it brings in all the labor, all the material associated with that. So it's it's made a lot of advances, um, you know. And there's advances in 
you know, equipment that we're seeing, things like that help us out on the job site, tuggers, that, that sort of thing. And so, uh, it, so if you were a construction company today and you were not adopting these, these technologies, um, how, how much of a disadvantage would that company be, in your opinion? Well, I think anybody that's going to, you know, start a business today and have it thrive, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to get involved in that. I mean, you're, that's the way of the future. You just are going to have to get on board. Uh, with technology. Yes. I think we'll, uh, it, what is important, I think, to me in terms of talking about technology is that in so many ways, if you're a small, very a small company and you adopt technology, you are able to overcome a lot of operational challenges mm -hmm. in terms of efficiency and cost. Um, and so, but so few companies are adopting it. Um, so I think knowing that you are at the forefront of adopting technology, I think that's a great lesson and something that, that aspiring entrepreneurs um, should, should really look to do. So question for you is, um, what, what kind of advice would you provide um, entrepreneurs that are really looking to take their businesses to the next level? I would say my biggest piece of advice um, is once you decide what you want to do, once you make a commitment to yourself, you have to go, you have to go all in. You have to say this is what I'm going to do and not stop until it's done. That's just it's always been the way that I've been since I was a little girl. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So you know now I wake up about two hours before my girls wake up in the morning, and I get I get the things that I need to get done. I exercise. I you know, I read my Bible, I listen to a podcast, stuff like that, and then my girls get up and I'm not, I'm not flustered because I woke up late, and so I, it just kind of sets up my day. When I get to the office, I'm not in a b bad mood because I yelled at my kids because we couldn't get out of the door on time. You know, I, I set up my day that way because it's really hard to, to be successful at business when you've, you know, when you feel like a terrible person because you had a rough morning, something like that. So I always start my day really early. Um, you gotta, gotta get up early I, if you're gonna make it work and you just have to keep your commitments to yourself. And so you said something about taking some time in the morning for yourself. Um, how else do you find that personal balance? That's Do really you, it. <laughs> that's really it. I mean, so, but that's consistently having a couple of hours a day for yourself to bring that sanity, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody does it a little bit differently. And so it's important for, for people to understand that while, and you're the second or third entrepreneur that I hear to say this, once you decide what you want to do, stick to it and give it, you have to go all the way. Mm -hmm. I think literally almost those exact words were said <laughs> earlier today when I interviewed another, another entrepreneur. So that's really, you got to commit. It's, yes. it's number one. And number two, we've heard uh, often again and again is taking some time to get that space so that you can you can sort of recoup and, and be with yourself um, and really sort of center yourself so that you can be there for your employees and you can be there for your family. You know, another thing I, I would recommend is you can't be afraid to do anything within the business. Uh, you know, I've, I've worn every hat within the business. I've done just about everything there is to do. I've, you know, our shop guy has been gone for the day and I've gone out and jumped on the forklift and unloaded some material. And I mean, I've, 
if the, if the phone needs to be answered and the receptionist at the front desk isn't in, I'll answer phones. You can't, you can't wait for someone else to do the things that need to be done in order to make it successful. I think that's something that is very valuable. Um, you do not want to say that you have achieved a certain title in the company and you're no longer going to answer a phone, right? Mm -hmm. It is your company. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so if you were going to step back and look at yourself, I don't know, uh, when you were 15, 16 years ago and give some advice to yourself, uh, what would you tell yourself, a younger self? Uh, I would probably have to say that there's nothing, there's nothing that you can't do. You know, you can, you can do things that people think that you can't. You can get in construction and be successful at it, even though it is male-dominated. You can do hard things, and you can, you can make an impact. And I think it's very important that we tell women that male-dominated is really a construction of our imagination, that it really, um, women can dominate as well as men can. And in construction, there cannot be, in my opinion, an industry that is more classically thought as being a male-dominated industry. And having women like you, young and, and, um, and successful and feeling that uh, it's, the time is here for, for people like us. So I want to thank you so much. Um, this has been a really fantastic journey in learning about your story. And uh, so we have had Brandis Ortega, president of Del Rio Enterprises, and Baga Lightning Protection as well. Um, she has joined us at In Her Footsteps podcast. Thank you so much, Bernice. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of In Her Footsteps. Don't forget to like and subscribe to In Her Footsteps wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and share our episodes on your social media. In Her Footsteps is produced by Michael Saltz. You can find more episodes wherever podcasts are available or at ushcc.com backslash In Her Footsteps. Special thanks to Bank of America, who sponsors the In Her Footsteps initiative at the USHCC.